0: Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders in regards to organ and tissue donation. Today we'll be talking about not only life enhancing, but life-saving gifts of tissue donation. Welcome back, Joel Scott. He has a career in the medical field spanning over 15 years, ranging from paramedic to Lopez Tissue Recovery Manager. He will also be talking about his unique experience as the son of a tissue donor. So, Joel, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Thank you for being here the first time and agreeing to be back for the second. Thanks for having me back. One of the things that I had talked about that I wanted to go into was, you know, we started off the, the first episode together and talked about, you know, just the number of organ donors are so much smaller than the number of tissue. And I really want to go into that because this is helping so many recipients that need these tissue transplants, but it's also helping the families. So I'd li- what I'd like to get into right now is just kind of briefly going over each of those gifts and what that does for others.
1: Yeah. Kind of like I talked about the last episode. There's, it all de- is dependent on age and sex of the donor. Um, pediatric wise is going to be derivative just of just a heart for valve. That is like a, one of the most precious gifts. Cause if someone does have a heart defect, these donors don't come along very often, and there's kind of some higher stakes that this can be a life or death situation. So getting these heart for valves on Peds, you can feel it when you're doing the recovery. There's a lot more weight involved with the donor and kind of understanding what is at at stake um, for anybody from 12 typical processor age of 80. We can do muscle skeletal. Muscle skeletal breaks down to. Humerus of male donors, for LOPA, we only recover upper extremities for for men. Only due to funeral home arrangements, we just want to make sure what we are recovering isn't impacting any type of funeral services for the donor. For um, men and women, we do lower musculoskeletal, which is hemipelvis, femur, tib-fib, and then all of the connective tendons with that extremity. Also for males, we do saphenous vein they're going to be going to recipients that either need some type of dialysis or they need improved circulation due to diabetes. So these vascular, these vascular donors are also pretty impactful as far as what we can recover. Another big part of that is if you're needed, if you're in need of a bypass, instead of using your own vein, they can use a donor's vein in order that way you're Recovery process, recovery time isn't gonna be impacted as heavily as if they use your own. And then we also recover skin. So this is gonna be used for mostly burn victims. So if you're having like a extensive burn and they need to help the healing fact, healing process, that's where the skin will come into play. Um, skin is recovered from the posterior of the donor, normally stays within just the back is kind of the, the zone that we recover for. For skin, there are also eyes that are recovered for tissue donors. These are handled by three of our recovery partners inside the state. Lopa does not actively recover eyes, but we do partner very closely with the other organizations. And once we have a DRE and authorization, these organizations are notified, and they're always part of our recoveries.
0: This, I mean, just covering all these different gifts, it's it's such a, a profound impact on on so many different lives. One of the things that I would like to to discuss is, so all of these donors, so that the death is occurring in the hospital, you know, and then the family's given authorization and then it's transferred in most cases. So one of the things that you and I have actually talked about outside of the podcast is the impact and the difference that the physicians and the healthcare team has within this process, even though the donor is not actually occurring. So what are some of those things to be, to remind them on the difference they m- can make in this process, and making sure that these families, you know, have the opportunity of donation.
1: I'll speak for Lopa and kind of where we are as a state, where anybody that meets these triggers, like these trigger criteria of what is a potentially going to be an organ donor, is very actively spoken about. People are kind of aware of what those are, but then somehow whenever Lopa says like, "Hey, we're out. Like, we're not gonna, we're not following for organ anymore." people think that they are no longer going to be a donor or they can be a donor it's not the case so it is still a just because someone is doesn't have the potential to be an organ donor does not end their potential to be a tissue donor so the big push kind of for me is like understanding that after someone is deemed unsuitable for organ that time of death call is still very impactful for us knowing that starts our clock like i spoke about before like it's a that 24-hour mark is where we where we reside. Once that time is up, tissue is no longer in. So it is very impactful to know quickly after someone does pass. Once they're in a and everything is, you know, deemed. Once the, the termination, like the cardiac arrest, is deemed terminated, we um where the clock starts. That's kind of so I guess we're,
0: y- you see a several different layers because you have that, you know the death at the time, but the importance of this process goes way before that. So your education by your
1: development staff in the hospitals, making rounds, having meetings. Just really trying to impact the understanding of the potential that is still there for someone, even though Oregon is out, that still is a potential. Making sure that's
0: heard correctly. Yeah, there's
1: still a potential donor. Um, That's where the for most, uh, you know, for Lopa, the word donor is not we don't ask what kind. It's like right. a, they're a donor, be it eye only, be it tissue only, be it all of it. It's it's the same for us.
0: And all of these these opportunities, which are representative of heroes, whether it's organ or tissue, or all the things that you've described, I think is so important because, and I think that many of us know a lot of examples as far as for families where this was huge for them. Yep. And I know personally uh, one where their child was able to donate heart valve and also – a different family where their son was able to donate corneas and that saved their life yeah. like them themselves correct it gave them the
1: right knowing what the legacy is for that person yeah. like it's a so it's
0: so important that's why one of the reasons why I'm glad that we had you on here today so the other thing is too is that I know that you all have had even some honor walks that are tied with these. so honoring these these heroes so can you tell me a little bit about that yeah
1: so this is kind of calm you know all started on kind of on the organ side the honor walk everybody gets involved but we have taken it a step further where we will someone can be coming from a morgue and we will ask for the same respect that we would give someone going to the to the OR meaning hospital staff will, you know, basically stay on the sides of the wall let the donor pass and then it's the same respect is given cuz it's for everybody at Lopa it is the same same passion, the same, and everything is involved exactly the same for us. And this is where I do, I agree with you that the hospital staff really needs to understand that for LOPAs, where we're involved, it means the weight is exactly the same because it's, it's, I've a heard g- some amazing it's stories. It's a gift, because you know, it's even g-
0: seeing it more now on, on social media. each yeah. Family sharing these honor walks and, and hospitals that uh, are very involved and, and are equally passionate.
1: And I'll, you know, like I'll give you the real the example that was really big for us was um, we did it here at Lopa, where we we had all staff basically kind of align the OR here. We had an organ case going. We had call center. Like everybody kind of lined up, and we did an honor walk here because it was asked for, so we made it happen. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's yeah. very special. So we, we're talking
0: about donor families and recipients. So is it very often where they actually meet
1: for tissue? They don't get to meet as frequently as the organ side because that is be- very much known. This liver went to this recipient. This heart went to this recipient. Ours goes to the tissue processor, which can make multiple grafts from the tissue that they receive. So it is it can be a little harder to it can go to multiple recipients. Um, if they, if the person getting the graft, they can request it, and so can the family. It can be done. It's just not as a
0: it's not as common. It's not
1: as common, and it's not as a direct connect. But we still do receive a lot of um, after they get the graft, they can walk again. They can run again. Like people will write in and say, you know, all the thank yous for what the impact of their life is after after being a a recipient from tissue, because it does it does impact them just as heavily.
0: So Joel, another thing is, you know, we, we opened up this entire conversation with talking about life-saving and some of the differences between organ and tissue, but, you know, I think from some of the examples uh, that you may have, you can share with us how tissue
1: is, is also life-saving. It does have just a drastic of an impact, where you do have someone who is bedbound they can't move they are in chronic pain to the point of they are not living they're sitting inside their house kind of miserable because they can't get around they can't do any of the activities they previously did they're just kind of a shell of who they were once these gifts come they can do the you know the surgeries happen The they're the graphs are placed and then all of a sudden we do get feedback from these recipients of like how drastically their life has changed. Like I am now living again. Like it is a truly a lifesaver. This isn't just a I got a tendon and now I can not walk with a limp. It is truly like they go from really not existing in the world to back to a normal day life. It's not as I get it. It's not as um it's not you're coming off of dialysis or you're no longer waiting for a liver you don't have to monitor your diet but we're taking someone from the inability to walk or function at a normal level to now they can live a life that they were living before
0: well it's also great to make that connection for the recipient like you said whose life has been saved and these these families that are coping with the loss of a loved one right and because of tissue donation it's given that sense of comfort and uh purpose especially during such a difficult time like maybe not today down the road you know yeah. in that that grief journey
1: yeah and and I will say you know you ask the question like how often i can't speak directly on how often it does happen but we it can be arranged that if the person wants to know they can absolutely still find out and if the re- recipient wants to know it can be asked it can be arranged like it's not a it's just not co- as common as the the organ story as far as like donor recipient all those things
0: and also Kind of going back, you know, it all starts basically having that conversation before going through this death. And so you're also looking at it from like a community perspective. So what are some of the like the misinformation and, you know, some of the things that you hear on why someone wouldn't want to be a tissue donor?
1: This is going to be direct from from the horse's mouth. Uh, I was a paramedic by trade for before working for LOPO. So I was told, like, if you have a heart on your license, they're not going to do anything for you x y z the this is the best scenario I can give if someone is in a life or death situation in a pre hospital setting, a paramedic uh emergency provider, whoever it may be, doesn't have the time to check your credentials like they're not gonna like take out your i d and look it is seconds count, so the interventions are being performed no one is no one is distressed, wondering about your organ uh, donation status. It is, the interventions are gonna happen regardless. So that is a big one for me that I take kind of a personal stake in of like, this isn't, that is the most untrue piece of it. Um, The other parts are, you won't be having to open, you will not be able to have an open casket funeral because of all the things they're gonna take. Speaking again from Lopa specific, every donor that comes into us, is reconstructed in a manner that we feel pride in sending them back to a funeral home. Like it is, we take care of the donor, they are recovered and sutured and sent in a manner that is to the utmost, as much respect as we can provide, is provided. Um, That's something that the tissue as a whole that we kind of rely on to know like what we put back into the community we feel pride proud of like the what we did did not impact this person's ability to be to have the service that the family wanted or allow their dad for them to hold their hand like these are all requests i've heard from their closure and their grief should not be impacted and it's not like they can still look at this person post tissue recovery and not feel something has been taken from them like it is a from a option of you know from a visual standpoint, they're going to be, they're going to look as normal as humanly possible. Well,
0: I couldn't say enough about you describing all of these things and how, if you don't know, you know, for me personally, if I didn't know anything about tissue donation or the process or what could be recovered or whatever, it was going to be so important for me, for that person having that conversation, to really be able to walk them through what that process is so they can know what they're saying yes to. And so I can't say enough about your call center and and the time that they're spending with these families and making sure, especially, like you said, like they just found out, you know, these families just found out. Yeah. And they're, you you know,
1: they're taking these calls and like being a part of their, the the donation story, you know, they're the ones providing this information firsthand.
0: So in tying it back to, you know, our audience, our, our, um, you know, The stakeholders, the hospital partners, the physicians, everyone that's playing a part in this. um, What would be something that you would leave them with?
1: That is not thought of as less than organ. No one treats it that way in our organization. No one treats it that way, especially in a recovery. We are as bought in as an organ donor. It's we know the legacy and the impact this has made. We know that. You know, no one wants to see their family member pass away, so it is a time that we are treating this with as utmost respect as we can, and that the gift is important to us, and it's not something that we look at less than.
0: Well, that word legacy actually resonated. with That's what I was thinking because it's such a meaningful way for these families to honor their loved ones and, and their their legacy. So, thank you for for including that. But I also can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing all this. It makes such a big difference and studies so your organization. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to uh, hearing more about the impact that y'all are having. So thank you again.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for having me.
0: And thank you for listening and being someone that cares about organ and tissue donation. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Connect About Life on your favorite podcast app. And remember, you're a light worker. Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected By Life podcast is hosted by myself Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz, our production assistant is Chandra Williams, and we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy
1: Perez.